McKinney will be singing the national anthem. I just found out, so uh, I'm at this point in time still processing that information. Do you like her music? I have no idea who she is. That was a good save. That guy tried. Well, the guy was trying to fake it out, but Cynthia McKinney was a congresswoman <laughs> in Georgia. Yeah. And she used to ask some tough questions about 9-11, and uh, she's not a congresswoman anymore, but I think she still asks those tough questions. But since... It's actually Luke Bryan who is singing the national anthem, yes. if I read that correctly. But I did, this is Monica Perez. I am hardcore libertarian. I am the libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday afternoon, usually. But today it's Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. And we have been talking about the Super Bowl and some hidden meanings that you might find in the commercials, the halftime show. What's the political agenda? And just uh, what it's all about. And I want to—I do want to get back to that, keep the mood light. But I can't resist the temptation to talk a little bit of politics <laughs> because I am going to be off the air next weekend. It's Grammys weekend, and I go to the Grammys also, and there's always tons of... I don't know if they do it on purpose or what, but there always seem to be some black mass kind of thing. So I always tell my kids that I go every year to the Grammys and I tell my kids, like one year it was Katy Perry had a glowing upside down cross in a cemetery. <laughs> you know, it was just so blatant. So I tell my kids this and it upsets them a little bit. But I'm like, ah, you know, I think, I don't know if it's just shtick or what, if they're really Satan worshipers or they, you know, why they continue with that theme over and over, I don't know. But the last time I went, so my kids said, oh, mom, you know, tell us what the, black mass thing is I was like okay I'll, I'll see if they have any of that this year so I went in last time I walk in I was in a suite which is above the all the audience every single person in the audience with like four thousand dollar evening gowns on and tuxedos and stuff was wearing glowing devil horns I was like <laughs> come on it ends up ACDC was opening the show with highway to hell and it's all perfectly explainable. And then later Madonna comes out with like devil horned bull men following around the stage, you know, but whatever. So it's actually a lovely show. I love it. I enjoy it. People are nice to me, even though I'm an anarcho-capitalist, which doesn't exactly fit into the political mood. I'm sure it's going to be very, I, I, we are anticipating a lot of political messaging but i am not going to have a show next weekend because i'm going to be at the grammys and all the events so i'm not going to have a chance to really opine on uh, anything that's been happening so one thing that i did want to talk a little bit about was this the supreme court nominee gorsuch i think is how you pronounce it um, so. yeah so he it's interesting because what people want, you know, the bottom line, when I try to tell people not to fall for the left-right paradigm and they're just trying to get you to hate the other side so you let these guys in even though they're going to betray your principles, whatever, people always end up saying, but the Supreme Court, it really matters. 
So you want, you don't, you, you know, if that's the only reason you really keep this system going, then you're going to want what you want. And for me, what I want is someone who sticks with the Constitution, and there are different ways to do that. And one of the ways, well, Antonin Scalia describes himself as a as an originalist with the Constitution, and I believe a textualist with legislation, which I think are maybe even contradictory things. Originalist means you want to do what the original intent of the document was. And textualism means you read legislation and what the words say is what it means. For me, you went to law school, right, Pinkley? Yes. So, uh, me too. I remember that the essence of a contract was meeting of the minds. So people had to understand each other. And if they if they both thought a contract meant something, even no matter what it said, but if they thought a contract meant something, that's what they were bound to. And they were not bound if there was no understanding. And you can look at the text of the Constitution and it can look like it, it did create a much more powerful central government than the Articles of Confederation, which it quite possibly illegally replaced. But it was so people didn't want a lot of people were resisting. So it was sold to us to the American people in these Federalist Papers, which was countered by the Anti-Federalist Papers. So it's Alexander Hamilton, who I don't like, versus Patrick Henry, who I do like. And and it's in order to get people on board, they had to tell them that it meant certain things. And if even if they didn't mean it to mean, maybe it was a trick, what they sold to the people is what the people bought, and that's the contract. So I believe in the original intent, but I also really just rely on reading the Constitution and the Bill of Rights to see what it means. And I, you can almost always, so far, the only thing that's a little tricky is the treaty thing where it says it's the supreme law of the land. Does that mean that they can enter into treaties that are beyond the scope of the power of the federal government? I don't know. That is the only stumbling block I've ever found in just trying to read the text of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights for what it was worth. So I feel like an originalist and a textualist when it comes to the Constitution is consistent, and this guy claims that that's what he is. And people see that as socially conservative because the Tenth Amendment reserves uh, police powers, they call it, but it's a very broad range of things uh, to the under the Tenth Amendment to the state. So things like the Supreme Court opining on gay marriage or abortion is a violation of the Tenth Amendment. So if you're a strict reader of the Constitution, you're going to push that stuff back down to the states, even if you don't believe in them. But it never comes out like that. It's always political. He's a social conservative. He's not in favor of that. You know, he's going to push that stuff down to the states. But it's really... You know, maybe that's true. Maybe they go hand in hand right now. But uh, I am in favor of of states' rights, which this guy supposedly is, based on the Tenth Amendment. And I think it's very important. And that would be great if this guy got in and defended that. But I think there might be a little a trick here. A little magic? Yeah, a little something going on. I don't know what. I don't know. I just want to... Um, throw it out there trump's this immigration uh executive order they call it the immigration it was like the muslim ban whatever (laughs) yeah i read it we talked about it last week on the air i i read it and immediately it all was totally manageable except for this one clause that made no sense which was uh 
basically meant that people who had valid U.S. visas and paperwork and stuff and were in the air on tickets they already paid for were not going to be let in the country. And that that's just so unusual, only because even if just how do government agents get that, execute that overnight. It was just a strange clause, and it left out of me right away, even before all the hullabaloo that resulted predictably. So I had to wonder, like, what is all this noise? Why is he coming out so noisily in, you know, just bombastic, combative, uh, making a splash? And I have, I have some theories as to why. But one thing that I noticed, I mean, one of my, you know, the, the worst possible interpretation is that he wants to show the world that we are at war with Islam. And I... Uh, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, that's the worst possible interpretation of what that would be because it got so, you know, if the purpose of it was just to get a lot of attention, negative attention, I mean, that would be really uh, dark, a dark motive. But, but I saw in the aftermath of all this that people were saying the administration has alienated so many people now that it's going to be very hard for them to get anything done that needs the cooperation of Congress and basically everything does because they don't have the total majority that they need to override. You know, whenever anything needs 60 votes in the Senate, they're not going to get it if, if it's this polarizing. So I wondered if maybe this was the coming out swinging would really kneecap the administration on purpose or by accident right from the beginning. And I feel like the kind of whether this guy gets through or not is going to be the litmus test of if Trump is really going to be able to be effective, even though he's taking kind of a hard line. So this guy happens to be a kind of controversial pick. Doesn't seem like for him personally, except for that these positions he takes on states' rights, limiting executive power, limiting judicial power. I love it all because those are separation of powers issues that are in the Constitution. You got to care about that and respect that from the guy, and I do. But it's interpreted as as highly you know, right-wing because that's what strict interpretation of the Constitution looks like right now to people on the left. Uh, but he also, his mother was a controversial head of the EPA, and uh, they, they, the Republicans stonewalled Obama's choice, Merrick Garland, for the Supreme Court last year, and this, there could be payback for that. So there's a lot of reasons to think this is going to be very contentious. And, but if, he, if this guy gets through, I think it, it'll, be, it'll make a real difference. Not, it won't be a net gain because the guy he's replacing was so conservative that if he takes his place, it's kind of just going to be like a holding pattern. But unlike executive orders that can come and go, I mean, this guy's going to be there for 40 years probably. And, and I think that that's going to be the most significant, like this is, this is real kind of thing. So what do you think? He's the youngest ever to be elected, right? Youngest ever? I thought, yeah, or, maybe. Or appointed, I mean. Yeah, close enough. I mean, I thought Elena Kagan was quite young. She isn't now, but yeah, he's 49. So, and the implication of that is that he's going to be there for so long. Now, he seems like a true blue guy who's going to, you know, I don't know much about him except for the, you know, many, many articles I read about him today after the fact. You kind of want to go back and follow the career to really get a sense of what the guy's like. 
Uh, there's one kind of controversial thing where he's like staunchly opposed to euthanasia, assisted suicide type stuff. And as a libertarian, which I am, like have to recognize a person's right to control their own bodies. And so like abortion is a competing rights issue. So libertarians can disagree on that. But like suicide, you, there's... You know, they can't be laws against it. They can't stop you. I, I hate to even say it because it's against my, you know, my, my moral, everything. It just seems so wrong. And knowing that the shadow governments or whatever, the population, that population control and a uh, eradicating this, this respect for human life is part of what the elite, the real, you know, if you really believe that there's a, a big elite at the top who is moving towards world government, who wants population control, who wants to maintain this hierarchy. A big part of their philosophy is this population control or not respecting human life. And this all seems like part of it. And it seems like when you make laws like this, you can turn around and, you know, it's not just lifting a ban. It always ends up being like a mandate or subsidized, you know. So I feel like you have to really, truly watch what you're doing when you start legislating stuff like that. So so I sympathize with this. I would call that socially conservative and um, not a libertarian position, but I understand it. And I, I don't, uh, if this guy is what I've read he is and he really sticks to the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, it may seem, quote, conservative, but I feel like that's all I really want. <laughs> so the trick is going to be, does he get in? So we'll see. We'll follow that story as it unfolds. Read some tweets after the break. This is the Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We are back. It's Monica Perez. I've got producer Binkley in the studio why don't you read me some tweets? We were talking about Trump's pick for the Supreme Court, Gorsuch. And uh, I think that the kind of Easter egg here, the hidden thing is, if this guy gets through, I think it'll be an indication as to whether how effective our administ- this administration is going to be. So tell me what people are saying. Rich in Liberty says, great pick, thumbs up. Alpharetta Dog says, love it. This was the main reason Trump was elected and he kept his word. Bill says that he could personally care less about who than how closely the person follows the Constitution. Alpha Six Insider says, a constitutionalist. Woot, woot. (laughs) Patriots to Super Bowl says, Judge Knapp would have been a great choice. Boo. Uh, Boo on the... Well, I can't even say boo on the Patriots because I'm having Patriots fans over. <laughs> uh, so, but I say yes. I love Judge Knapp. And, um, but yeah, this guy seems okay. I mean, I'll have to scratch the surface. He's very political. He went to Columbia, Harvard, Oxford. Those are all red flags for me, even though I went to Harvard. But <laughs> I still think that smacks of establishment. But we shall see how it all unfolds. But let's get back to a little more Super Bowl talk. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, this is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. What's your prediction for the final score? Oh, good one. So I think it's going to be 35 uh, uh, Falcons, 28 Patriots. What's your prediction for the final score? 
Uh, final score is probably going to be, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, probably around uh, 22 Patriots, maybe 18 for uh, you know the Falcons. What do you think, Binkley? What do you think the final score is going to be? Well, I guess i got to stick to what my original prediction was, and that was New England, New England 27 and the Falcons 24, but I'm losing confidence in that. Really? You yeah. think that the Falcons are going to win? I think they have a better chance than I originally thought. You have to be positive. Plus, they're getting a new stadium, so they That's should. That's true. It's, a it's ten, in everybody's interest if they win. $10 so, billion dollar stadium, whatever it is. This is Monica Perez. I am the libertarian voice on WSB, and I do not approve of taxpayer-subsidized yeah. sporting facilities. Don't bring or, that up during the Super Bowl. Or midnight deals <laughs> in... Uh, in uh, for the Braves, I, I was a big, I was outspoken the day that happened. I went on the air and did a whole show on it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't think you could do a whole show on, <laughs> on it, but it turned out to be quite a story. And um, uh, I think the guy who did it suffered for it, lost his seat. But anyway, so let's, well, I do want to talk about Super Bowl stuff, even though I'm not a football fan. I absolutely love days where. I mean, like the whole day, you can do what you want, nobody to answer to, except for when you have little kids, but even they will watch with you, and it's just going to be a great, I think it's going to be a fun day. I know as a hardcore sports fan, you say it's actually fraught with risk Ugh. and the danger of pain, and, and the elation might not even be worth it, it's like... Is it worth it? It's torture. It's complete torture, especially if you lose. Just You're sitting around a week later if you lose, and you're just depressed and no. just randomly pound on the table. No. You should have had that yard, you know? No. Yeah, that's that happens. Wow, I am such a nerd, you know? That's just not my, my world. But I cry myself to sleep at night after I read the newspaper too late. And <laughs> they know that I do. I get a lot of emotion on that. And, and I, I've gotten so paranoid about or overwhelmed with the information it's not paranoia i mean it's it's completely real like it is i think it is borderline impossible if not actually impossible to separate out truth from like fake news i've always been i've been calling out fake news in the mainstream media for five years but now that they're actually piling it on on purpose and putting fake news out just to confuse you. So then when I read a story, normally I'm like immune to false flags or psychological operations. Like, oh, I don't even believe it. Now, I don't even know how many layers there are. So I do get, so like with the Trump-Hillary contest, I thought obviously he's in the tank for Hillary because there's some kind of psychological operation going on here. I didn't expect it to be like three layers down the onion. You know, <laughs> it was just crazy. So I cry myself to sleep. But I could also this could also just be a big emotional manipulation. The the pain and suffering of watching our democracy go through these spasms. But I did. I want to. I think we should do uh, what to watch out for. I started a, a hashtag WTWOF, and I and I and we talk about it on. We have a. A show we do offline, not on air, Propaganda Report, which you can get at PropagandaReportDaily.com, but we do what to watch out for. And one of the things I said to watch out for a year ago was that Muslims would be the despised minority and the cause celeb of the left if a Republican got in office, that there would just be this absolute blossoming, flourishing of this as the new kind of dialectic back and forth to attack and defend. So when, when last week when that 
the executive order that's called the Muslim ban, but obviously it's not, uh, that's not how it's written. That in itself is controversial. Uh, it was side by side with the article about the shooting in Quebec in a mosque by, I, I didn't even read the article. They had no suspects or anything. And I was like, okay, that's white nationalist guy for sure. You know, caught up in the wave of anti-Muslim sentiment, whatever. So I look at whether it's it's people getting stimulated to do this stuff because of how manipulative the media is or if it's um, agents provocateur getting people to do it, to radicalize people, or if it's totally made up. I, I'm not opining on that. I'm just saying you can see the themes coming, and it's interesting. So I think based on, you know, watching these themes come to the fore, seeing what's taking the stage right now, and knowing that the Super Bowl is so full of political messaging, it's so full of, like, agenda items, and then underneath that, or on top of it, occult symbolism, which, so on both of those points... I don't even know if the occult symbolism is there to freak people out or to make entertainers feel like they're controlled or if like behind the scenes people really are into the occult at the highest levels. I just, I can't, you know, it's more of that information overload. If it's true, why is it, when you go on the internet, it's like everywhere. So if they control the world, why is that stuff everywhere? Um, and, and also the political agendas. Last year, I guess it probably was easy to anticipate. There was... Black Lives Matters stuff. I think Beyonce was wearing like a Black Panthers beret. Yeah, she led an army of uh, Black Panthers out. Yeah, and field. and the Black Panthers had been way back when infiltrated by government operatives that make these movements violent and invalidates any like intelligent discourse about real issues. So that kind of stuff is also you know there are layers to that onion. There was um, a lot of gay marriage stuff. There was a lot of rainbow flag. And then the Chris Martin of Coldplay wearing Global Citizen badge. You know, this stuff is alive and well. Like, you think that there's been an about face by them. That stuff's alive and well. But what are we going to see now? Are they going to double down? You know, obviously, I feel like, you know, I don't know how overt they'll be. What do you think? What's your predictions? You're good at this. I think there's going to be a lot of immigration themes as, as we both talked about i think they were probably they they like to send a lot of children and families down onto the field to surround oh. the stage probably be refugees yeah. surrounding the stage that's interesting because two of the things i said to watch out for i didn't have specifics like you are but yours fold right into mine one was uh muslim persecution and this um Another was this love Trump's hate thing, which is their theme. Although if you see how like that Ashley Judd video, that did not that seemed like a lot of hate. Yeah, <laughs> you was, know, that was a lot of we should I think we've posted that. Is that posted somewhere? Did you post that on can you post that on Propaganda Report yeah, Daily yeah, yeah. if you haven't? And then people can see that. Um I figured there would be women's rights stuff, uh, maybe Nazi references. But the thing that really stood stood out for me was when I was watching a Pepsi promo for the halftime show and it showed the dancers rehearsing for the Gaga show that one of the sweet little dancers had a t-shirt on that said love fades pizza is forever which is a Pizzagate reference which is a child um, you know is it are they rituals or was it it was child abuse was it pornography what was the was the Pizzagate thing where they actually were it's just pedophilia straight up right 
pedophilia elites. Uh, so if they're sexualizing children, you know, that's what that's all about. And who knows if that's like coming down the pipe. But but I, I just had a feeling that Gaga, who's like such a sexualized entity. And if you watch her videos, I mean, I, I, I assume that pop culture is targeted at teens. And I watch this stuff and I'm like deeply scandalized and I'm not a prude at all. But I'm just like, what? How is this in the mainstream? And then I just thought even just the mere presence of children on the stage with her would be disturbing in that way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're right. Those videos are, it's, it's like watching pornography. It's it really is. I mean, it, at one point she was wearing a bodysuit that made her look like naked and I don't know what. So, but what were you going to say about, well, you were going to say too, you're saying about children, you think that they'll be like refugees, real refugees and their families? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, that, that's a good prediction. And then, um, did you think the, uh, do you like anticipate overt Nazi stuff? You know, I, I don't know if somebody's going to walk out, a dancer dressed like Hitler's going to walk out or anything, but I think they always, in a lot of those videos, they always have an, an enemy and like the singer and they'll kind of be almost... Like uh, uh, what's the play where the from like the fifties where the two gangs fight each other? I can't. West Side Story. Yeah, it's almost like that, but modern version type thing. I can see some sort of nationalist character. Wow. And and I saw that video that you saw, and there's a brief clip of Gaga, and she's dressed. She has a spider. She's a spider. So I can see her crawling around like a poisonous yeah. spider. My only thing about her is that she is doing an ad for Tiffany, which is supposed to be kind of classy. And how you know how bad she, can she get? But they're they you know they're walking the path with her, so I guess they're ready for that. And you know that's what puzzles me about. It used to be in the old days, corporations would stay away from anything that uh, was controversial or might alienate any of their customer base. So now I feel like the fact that they that they don't that they that they embrace controversy, like when Target came out and took a strong position on the the transgender bathroom controversy, you have to think that either there's something behind the scenes that um, motivates them that's more profitable to them. Maybe you know, like when Trump talks about cutting deals trade deals or tax deals on a case-by-case basis that makes me crazy because that's how you get companies to do stuff you give them you know payback from your power as government there's a lot of danger there even if he's not going to succumb to the temptation that precedent is bad so either the the corporations themselves see that there's some value for them behind the scenes or the individuals who run the corporations uh, I always thought it was not cool to talk about like stakeholder community issues at the corporate level because those guys aren't the real owners. The real owners are us, you know, little guys, shareholders, or it used to be that way anyway when we had our pensions and whatnot. Now we have 401ks. So there's some of that still. But when they, when they use that money, our savings, our only way to kind of take part in investing in capitalism and use it for political purposes could be an agenda, di- di- an agenda driven individual or board that's that's leveraging all of our money in a way that we don't approve of. But but they they get away with it because people are don't really pay attention to it that hard. So the corporation thing, they seem to be getting so much more political and controversial. So I wouldn't put it past them. If, I mean, they, for them to hook up with Lady Gaga, 
uh, in itself is kind of surprising. So I guess I, I, she's probably has carte blanche. Yeah, it's become kind of a hip thing to make a political statement. Yeah, there has to be something in it for them, or maybe they just feel like the elites are are anti-Trump for the most part. I mean, that is possible, except for the guys who actually get to meet with him. I imagine there they see the uh, the bright side. So, what else? I got. I've got like. I think we'll see seconds. a stronger together reference, and we'll see something about the resistance. Hey. I'm the resistance. Well, I coined that. Now, you're, I don't know if uh, you want to be associated with that anymore, the way it's being used. No. The, you know it's the resistance? The Tenth Amendment is the resistance, and we can all use it. Why they will not recognize that there is a constitutional answer to their fears, but instead they're going to think world government. It's driving me crazy. So, I, well, let's wrap it up after the break. Very interesting. Read some more tweets at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We are back and wrapping it up on Super Bowl Sunday. This is Monica Perez. I'm in studio with Binkley, my producer, and we have been talking about... uh, we're talking about the Super Bowl, but mostly anything but football, because I'm not great at that. I really enjoy it. I don't have to have the emotional baggage. Just It's just a great excuse to hang out, have a good time. I hope everybody has a great time today. But uh, there are lots of hidden messages in the commercials and the halftime shows, so I love to look out for that. But I've been warned by Binkley not to ruin the time of the football fans around me by actually pointing out (laughs) occult symbolism or subversive political messages throughout. (laughs) Like, I'm in the habit of, like, pausing to tell everybody, did you see that? Did you see that? So... Definitely not doing that. (laughs) Note to self. (laughs) Everyone will hate you. Anyway, I did want to hear some tweets, so give me what you got. Gok SRM tweets, Since men could care less, is the evil directed at women? Madonna, Streep, Streisand, Fonda, Dreyfus, Judd, Clooney. Funny. So all the stuff, like halftime show... Guys are, I don't know, not not hanging on ever. Is that what you think he's saying? It's not hanging on everyone? I think so. I don't think um, a lot of guys pay as much attention to the halftime Yeah, so women, and I would say children. I see this stuff as children. Okay, so as being directed at the the youth and to really change the culture, make things acceptable, foul language and um, promiscuity. Anyway, but, uh, you know, I sound kind of prudish for a libertarian. I just, that kind of stuff, I want to watch it with my kids. I don't want to have to worry about another wardrobe malfunction. Anyway, (laughs) one more quick tweet, and then I got to wrap it up. All right. Richard Roberts says there's been a 20% drop in testosterone (laughs) since the 60s, just when the TV sports started. Well, a lot of things have happened since the 60s (laughs) that could account for that. Um, I would I would think the opposite from sports. But but anyway, that'll bear further scrutiny, I think. So that's it for today. I will not be here next week. Be back the week after. Uh, Have a great day. Go Falcons and goodbye, Binkley. See Bye you later. This is Monica Perez. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. 
Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.